Welcome Inside the Vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind R. John Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and is for serious entrepreneurs only. This week kicks off a four-part series where Arjun works through core concepts that every entrepreneur has to understand in order to make their business more profitable. In part one, Arjun explains why it's so important to think through your business through the lens of a potential buyer, whether or not you're actually planning to sell it. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjan is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjan, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjan's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. All right, so um, let me assure everyone here who went to law school that there's no math involved in this next section. Um, This is all concept. If you understand these concepts, it will, it will it will ultimately liberate you in your business and in your life. Um, And for some of you, I fully appreciate that you'll be a little bit horrified before you feel liberated. But that goes back to looking at reality and taking responsibility for reality and do something about reality. And if you find that you are being carried down the wrong side of the river, you know, this, this next session might help you see that objectively. And to the extent that that is untenable, uncomfortable, unpleasant, you can fix it. Uh, we've all been there, I promise you. All right. So first thing is you got to understand that at some point your business will be sold. Your business will be sold. My business will be sold. All of our businesses will be sold. They may be sold voluntarily. Your business may be sold voluntarily on your terms, or it may be sold involuntarily on the terms of your creditors, or it may be sold and broken up into little pieces if it's dissolved, if you have a disbarment or a partnership breakup, or it will be sold by your estate when you die. Not if you die, when you die, because we're all going to die. So really the, um, the question is, how will your law firm be sold? And I want to help you make sure that it's sold on your terms, not someone else's terms. Okay? 
even if you decide not to sell it and you let your estate take care of it, at least it should be sold on your terms by your estate because it's sold as a going concern and not just a bunch of junk that you left behind for your friends and family to clean up after you. When you think of it this way, you'll make better decisions every day in your business. So, what you sell, and we did this exercise, um, we actually did this exercise for the very first time at a, no, we did it before, no, we did it before the prep academy. I, I, I know I did it somewhere and it worked really, really well. And we had this really interesting exercise where we all, we're not going to do this here, but just imagine it, where we all split up into groups, A and B. And A's took turns selling their law firm to B's. And then B's took turns selling their law firms to A's. And the person who was the buyer in each exercise actually learned the most because they started asking like logical questions, you know? And by asking logical questions, they realized where and how they were not prepared to give satisfactory answers to these very reasonable, logical questions. Make sense? Okay. So when you go to sell your law firm, the buyer is going to be looking principally at four, at five things. One is they're going to be looking at revenues. How much revenues is the amount? But more important than how much revenues the firm is generating is how predictable are those revenues? How reliable are those revenues? Just think about this. Would you rather buy a law firm that generates a million dollars a year but only when the owner is there, him or herself? Or would you put a higher value on a law firm that generates $500,000 a year, but does it year in and year out, even if the owner isn't there? Meaning the owner can sell you the firm, walk out the door, and it'll keep generating $500,000 a year. Obviously, we don't need any math. We don't need a business degree. We just need common sense to know we'd all rather buy the half a million dollar firm with reliable revenue. Yes? Okay. So there's things that you can do to make your law firm produce revenue even when you're not there. Marketing processes, marketing systems, sales processes, having a non-attorney salesperson. Uh, for those of you who are new, we affectionately call that position a dragon. We'll talk about why we do that later. It goes back to a Disney movie. Um, the, the, you know, for example, your newsletter. If you're sending out a newsletter every month, 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 and you can say to the buyer, look, as long as you keep this newsletter going to this list, it'll keep producing one or two clients a month, one or two clients a month, one or two clients a month, one or two clients a month. And the average client that it produces is X number of dollars. That newsletter has some value, right? You get yourself booked for uh, a, a dozen speaking engagements. You know, you're all with small law firms and you think that the big law firms are your enemy. The big law firms are not your enemy. The big law firms are potentially your best referral source. 
right? Because most of you do a practice area that the big law firms don't do, right? So we have a member, he's not here right now, but he built a million dollar criminal defense firm taking a CLE talk around all the big white glove transactional law firms that don't do criminal defense. And basically the, the theme or the message of the talk was what to do when your best call, when your best transactional client call or when your best business client calls you in the middle of the night and says their kid got arrested. You know, step number one not to do is don't try to handle it yourself, right? It's a great way to ruin a relationship with a valuable client. So he got this thing approved for CLE credit. He got his paralegal to get him set, to, to go around and get him booked with a dozen big law firms. And he ran the event. It produced a lot of business for him. And at the end of the CLE event at their, at their venue, the paralegal was there supporting him in it. And the first thing she did was she got the next year's event booked. So next year, he had a marketing system already built out to produce revenue next year, right? Now, the law firms that booked his firm for that speaking engagement, they didn't really care so much if it was Gary or not Gary. It could have been anyone from Gary's firm could have shown up and they would have been happy to, to host that CLE in their venue for their attorneys and it would have produced results, right? So how much would you pay to step into 12 speaking engagements that are already booked with 12 big law firms all over town with a proven track record of producing results and you know a whole follow-up system that we built so that after the speech is over, there's 12 months of just drip, 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 follow-up for those attorneys. That's worth something, right? It's not just the amount of revenue, it's the reliability and predictability of the revenue that really is gonna, is gonna really turn up the dial on the value of your business. All right, second thing that they're gonna be buying is profitability. Um, there's gross profit, and there's net profit. Took me a long time to really appreciate the difference between gross profit and net profits. Intellectually, I understood it. Intellectually, you're all gonna understand the difference between gross profit and net profit. It's a very simple concept. You take your retail price, you sell the cup of coffee for a dollar, right? That's the, that's the gross revenue. You sell the cup of coffee for a dollar. The cup itself costs a nickel. The coffee inside costs a nickel. The labor cost for serving the coffee is 10 cents. What is your cost for serving the coffee? 20 cents. You sold the cup for a dollar. Your cost of goods sold is 20 cents. Your gross profit is 80 cents, right? That's gross profit. From that gross profit, you then pay all the fixed expenses, your insurance, your rent, your electricity, all those kinds of things that, you know, whether you sell one cup of coffee or a thousand cups of coffee, your rent is still your rent. Your insurance is still your insurance. Your electricity is still your electricity. You get the concept? Okay, I promise you, you now understand more about gross profit then I swear to you, 90% of the struggling lawyers out there who don't even understand this concept. I swear, I've taught this to thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of lawyers in hundreds of bar associations and more speeches than I can count. 
and they don't even understand the concept of gross profit. More to the point, they don't use gross profit in the engineering of their prices and the engineering of their business's profitability, all right? If you don't have any gross profit, so let's say you sell the cup of coffee for a dollar and it costs you a dollar ten to serve the coffee. Do you have any gross profit? No, you do not. And doing more marketing and selling more coffee hastens what? Bankruptcy, right? All right. Net profit is, of course, your gross revenue less your cost of goods sold, less all of your fixed expenses. So you sell the cup of coffee for a dollar, cost you 20 cents to put it in front of the customer, you got 80 cents of gross profit, right? You multiply that by however many cups of coffee you sell, and from that you pay the rent, the insurance, certain other fixed expenses, and then what's left over is net profit. We all understand this? All right. In the next session, Chris Anderson, Christopher Anderson, will be teaching you. (laughs) Funny how many people get that. (laughs) Um, There's lots of inside jokes. For those of you who are new, don't don't feel bad. Don't worry. You will be laughing at the inside jokes sooner or later also. Hold on one second. Um, Christopher will be teaching you... uh, some lessons from a book called Profit First for lawyers. And he'll show you that there's a different way to look at net profit, but we're doing this in baby steps, right? First, we're putting on the primer. We're gonna let that dry, settle in. Then we're gonna gonna put on the first coat of paint, let that dry, settle in. Then we're gonna put on the the, the second coat of paint, let that dry, settle in. We're giving this to you in layers. If you're already a few steps ahead of this in your knowledge and understanding, don't worry. I promise you we're going to get to a point before we're done today where it's fresh brand new territory for you too. Consider this just to just be a good refresher and a validation that you know what you're talking about. So the second consideration in when they buy is going to be what is the actual profitability of your firm, right? What, uh, what are your gross revenues? What are your cost of goods sold? two law firms. One's doing a million dollars a year. The other's doing half a million dollars a year. The million dollar firm has a uh, 50% cost of goods sold. The half a million dollar firm has a 25% cost of goods sold. Which firm are you thinking you probably want to buy? The half a million dollar firm, right? Because the gross profit that you've got left over is exactly the same. A million dollar firm with a 50% cost of goods sold has how much cost of goods sold? $500,000, which means they got $500,000 of gross profit left over. Yeah? A $500,000 law firm with a 25% gross profit, a 25% cost of goods sold, has how much profit left over? How much? $375,000. Right, but you had to do half as much work half as much marketing, 
half as much sales, half as much staff, half as much risk, half as much problems, half as much of everything. You take that half a million dollar firm and you grow that half a million dollar firm to a million dollar firm and you keep the 25% cost of goods sold. Now you've got $750,000 of gross profit, much more profitable business. I'd rather buy a smaller business with better gross profits than a bigger business with worse gross profits. Do you understand this? There's a new way of thinking about your business for a lot of us. I understand that. It was a new way of thinking about my business years ago when I started taking this stuff seriously and earned the right to be a person who takes profit seriously. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for more lessons from The Vault.